Are you believing some of these common myths around weight loss? To be totally honest, we grew up in a time when what was presented to us on the media, in magazines, was just not realistic. And it definitely set a standard in our brains of what healthy is, what it takes to get there. And actively, I know you, I know I have had to work to break down those beliefs over time as we've grown, as we've become moms. And it's hard. It's definitely difficult. And there are some myths that are still pervasive out there and some lines of thinking that can trip us up in our journey. And I am bringing to you today someone who's going to address those things so you can make your your choices in your journey and your mindset and everything just more simple. So today you get to hear from holistic health practitioner and fitness expert, Michelle Scarlett. She is on a mission to help women just feel great inside and out to get to the root of issues, really tie your mindset into everything. So we are diving into all of that today. We're going to bust some myths and take control of our thoughts. We get to hear about what the most common myths are that women struggle with when it comes to weight loss. You are going to learn how to simplify your nutrition and shift your mindset when it comes to your journey. And Michelle is going to leave you with some encouragement and tangible advice on how to take control of your thoughts. It's time to get equipped, Mama. This episode is going to bless you. It's going to help bust some of those myths that have been holding you back. So let's go get equipped and let's get after it. Hey mama, welcome to the Tough Love Mom Podcast. I know you're here because you're ready to get consistent and finally lose that weight and you're not afraid of a little tough love. You know what to do to lose weight, but following through on those things feels impossible. You wish you could just feel like your strong, confident self again and want to be a good example for your little ones, but you get thrown off by mom guilt and the unpredictability of motherhood. It's frustrating. Taking on your journey postpartum is hard, but it's not impossible. Hey, I'm Liz, and I've been where you are. I gained a lot of weight in my pregnancies, 90 pounds and then 60 pounds. I needed to lose that weight to take control of my health and honestly just wanted to feel like myself again. With a sustainable approach to weight loss, simple consistency, and working on my mindset, I lost it all in just over a year both times, and I'm here to help you do the same. I believe that we have an ingrained ability to figure out what we need to do, make it happen, and do it in a way that awes the world. If you're ready to stop falling off the wagon, create solid routine and healthy habits, and finally feel your best inside and out, all while enjoying dino nuggets on your salad, you are in the right place. We're about to transform your journey, my friend. Get pumped up. It is tough love time. Hey, Michelle, I'm so excited to have you on today. Thank you for coming onto the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. Yeah. So you are holistic health and fitness expert, and I'm excited for you to just give your expertise and everything to the moms and the listeners on today. But before we get into all the goods, can you share your story with fitness and with health and what got you into this field? What got you passionate about it? Absolutely. Actually, before I tell you, I think that it's it's going to be a little interesting because obviously the story is told in hindsight. Mm-hmm. And I actually think that I started my fitness journey out of a lot of disordered thinking. So which I mean, maybe is not uncommon to a lot of women. Um, but I'll let it unfold for itself. So I'm sure you remember in the 90s, in the late two, or in the early 2000s, there was this iconic ad uh, Kate Moss did it. And the caption was nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. 
Yes. I don't know that. if you remember this. Even me saying it right now, like there's a real visceral reaction with yeah. it. And um, I know a lot of my friends remember this ad and a lot of women that I work with. And I, I was maybe 13 when that ad came out. You know, a real pivotal moment in a woman's or a little girl's um, growth. So I think at that point, I started really noticing my body and started noticing attention from males or females, like good or bad, depending on how I, you know, if I grew two inches, you know, my first year of high school, I had girls like have like actually hold an intervention telling me that I was anorexic, but, but it was just like, I grew and just kind of got a little bit slimmer. And I was like, Hmm, this is interesting. But then, you know, boys started to notice me and you start to unconsciously create like your worth around what you look like because now this is what people are giving you attention for so you know 13 14 years old you go go through high school you you start seeing ads like this i definitely were looking at all the magazines where they would like scrutinize celebrities for having cellulite or you know like like that was a very strange time in comparison to today for like what the ideal body should look like. So I would say that I didn't even realize that it was happening, but I was like already forming an opinion about my body that unless it was exactly this way, then it wasn't good enough. And then I got into my twenties, I moved out of my house, university, et cetera. And I, you know, I liked the gym. I like to work out. I like to run. I definitely was active and I lived in a, in a healthy household growing up. My mom was very health conscious and then I got into like really like lifting. And when I was 22, I opened my gym. And um, I think in hindsight, I thought I was like kind of masking something that was healthy. You know, like obviously we all think about exercise as being healthy, but I went into it going like, oh, now I can work out every day. Now I'm going to be the most fit. And the attention I'm going to get is going to be like, wow, you're like, your body is so perfect. Or I didn't even really know what I was expecting, but ultimately it was validation. And so I, you know, I went through my twenties, I trained CrossFit style training. It was like heavy lifting, moving fast, Olympic style lifting, but I still had sort of this disordered eating uh, mindset where it was like, you cut out all the carbs, you cut out this, you cut out that you take fat burners, you, you know, you do, you take some pretty extreme measures, or at least I did. And I know a lot of my peers have in those early stages, because A, you don't know what the effects are going to be. And B, you know, like skinny is everything, right? Nothing, nothing tastes as good as skinny feels. So I never would have said that I had a disordered way of thinking or eating. I definitely was not anorexic by any means. I love food. I've always really loved food. But I did think about it in more of like, a, oh, if I didn't work out today, I can't eat that. Or if I did work out, I deserved that kind of black and white mindset. So I would say it wasn't until, believe it or not, I got really sick. I, I mean, that sounds like, of course, you're going to get sick doing all those things. But about five years ago, I got really sick um, to the point where I couldn't train anymore. Like I could not train. I had crazy food sensitivities. Um, I like could barely eat like boiled chicken. And I was not obviously not happy. Um, and it wasn't until that moment of like really uh, not feeling myself and not feeling good. Did I realize what true health really looked like? Um, and that's when my whole idea of fitness changed. Um, it's when my studio actually did the best it had ever done in terms of revenue and sales, because I think I became 
more relatable and more realistic in terms of what I was preaching. And then I found the holistic health side of things. And I was like, oh, it's not just about diet and exercise. There's so much more to what real health is. And so five years later, I would say that I am like on this path of true vitality and couldn't be happier. It's so interesting that you say you got to that point when you realized that your health was so much more than just working out and food, because I think, and I I'm just recently toying with this because when I say your fitness journey or your health and fitness journey, or it like, isn't all encompassing. When I say those things, I'm like, oh, this doesn't feel like everything because it's so all encompassing health is so much more than working out and eating well. Like it is so much more than that. So I've started using the term healthy lifestyle or the lifestyle that you're capable of living because it is literally, it's your mind, it's your emotions, it's your, your strength, it's your flexibility. It's so all encompassing. And it's not just your body. It's not just what you're putting in your body. It's everything. I mean, it's how you're thinking. It's how you're reacting. It's how you're sleeping. It's how you're hydrating. I mean, it's so all encompassing. And so I hate that you had to get to the point where you weren't (laughs) feeling great and have to realize that. But I think we get a lot of us, especially that grew up in that time when everything was super skewed that we were taking in at such a transformative age. And it's not our fault that media was like that and portraying those things. It was just the decade that we were in those transformative years. Like we didn't have control over that we do have control now and how we respond to it. So totally. I do love that you took control of that and you didn't just say, oh, well, I'm going back to what I'm comfortable with and how I'm comfortable thinking you, you decided to pivot. So you said now that you got into holistic health. Can you give us a picture of what that actually means? Because I know when I first learned the term holistic health or heard about holistic health practitioners, I was like, that sounds a little overwhelming. Like, what does that mean? Are crunchy even some some moms might call it crunchy, but what crunchy does that granola. mean? <laughs> granola uh, is yummy. I mean, come on. <laughs> I know, right? Um, so for me, holistic health has meant before I became a practitioner, it has meant an all natural way of healing ailments. Let's say, okay, it's very different from like a doctor running a test, looking at your symptoms, and then prescribing some medication. That's a very like medical way of looking at things. Holistic health is more like co like a, a correlation between your symptoms. We definitely like I can run uh, specific tests and like we can run diagnostics. But it's about like looking at those results, objectively, talking to you about how you're actually feeling looking at your lifestyle, you know, there are lots of lifestyle factors that will, you know, it's like a triangle, they all go together. And then from there, because I am not a medical doctor, I absolutely cannot prescribe medication or like pharmaceuticals. But I am certified to start using things like herbs, or uh, different vitamins and minerals to start either giving some like immediate relief care, you know, if somebody has like digestive issues, then we can immediately resolve some of that not to say not to say that that's what's healing it but then eventually get down the road of healing it. So it's just like all through natural modalities. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because everything is so connected. And I think the general population is starting to actually grasp that instead of just going, oh, here's my problem. Here's a quick solution. And not that you're wrong for thinking that if that's what, oh, I go to the doctor when I have pain and they give me medicine and I feel better. 
but Mm -hmm. I mean, I have lower back issues and I was going, okay, I can take ibuprofen the rest of my life to control the swelling, or I can look at my nutrition and start taking out foods that are inflammatory and controlling the inflammation that way, getting more mobility in my lower back. So the blood flow is going there and the disc isn't having more issues. There's so many ways I can deal with it before it gets too serious instead of just like masking it with meds. Um, which sometimes are necessary. Absolutely. I'm not saying they're not medicine is absolutely has its place and is valuable, but yeah, I think the population is starting to grasp that connection between everything like digestion and mood and our gut and our pain and everything. It's amazing. We could probably nerd out on that forever. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Yeah. And like, like the brain connection to all of those things. I definitely agree with you. There is a place for relief care. Like your Mm -hmm. symptoms should be addressed. But like, I think the difference between holistic health practitioners and medical doctors is that holistic health tries to really get down to the root cause and and start treating there while giving the relief care. Whereas I feel like, I don't know if you've had an experience with the doctor, but I have left my doctor's office in the last five years when I said I like, there was a moment where I got really sick, leaving in tears almost every single time because she just doesn't listen to me. Yeah, that happens. You know, and I know a hundred percent that I am not alone where women feel dismissed by their doctors or like, you know, they just use excuses, you know, to be like, oh, well, you're a new mom. Of course you're tired. Yeah. Except should I be this tired? You know what I mean? And so I think that's where the difference lies between medical and um, holistic health. Yeah. It really gets to the root issue and addresses that. So things can start changing on a bigger perspective. Yeah. Absolutely. So I guess any mom listening, if you're really struggling with something that you feel like just isn't getting resolved or you're not feeling heard, I think it's good too, to have that pairing of the medical side and having that support and that help paired with holistic practitioners and anyone else in your life that can speak into that. So, um, I know you're really passionate about, we hit on so many things in your intro there about your just history and, you know, growing up in the nineties and early two thousands and what that, you know, shaped your mind as around health and fitness and what you do now. So I know you're really passionate about busting myths around getting healthy. So can you briefly go over a couple of the biggest myths that you constantly hear or see women struggling with and how to like bust through those or way to change your thinking about those specific myths? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely want to first sort of address, I think I initially, when we got to contact you initially, I, I, I called them mistakes and I actually don't believe that there are any mistakes in life. I like that you've used the word myth because I don't ever want to alienate somebody for thinking a certain way. Like, I mean, ultimately for 15 years in my, in my health journey, I had one way of thinking, didn't know any different. It seemed to work, you know, whatever. And realizing through my experience that it's not maybe the healthiest way to go about it. So uh, I definitely want to, I definitely want to use the term myth. So this one really gets me. And (laughs) this one in particular I get calls all the time from past clients, you know, from new clients. I really want to do intermittent fasting. And I'm like, cool. You know, like I'm always open to hearing what somebody has to say. But what's interesting about intermittent fasting. So if for your listeners who don't know exactly what that is, you have a eight hour eating window and a 16 hour fasting window. And so you may not eat breakfast or you finish eating at 4 p.m. Like whatever sort of works for your life, which can be helpful. However, the myth that sort of exists there for me, which um, drives me crazy, is that on one hand, there are, you know, millions of people saying and articles written that don't skip meals because it slows your metabolism. But then they tell you that intermittent fasting is good. And so 
I understand why people get confused by this because it's literally the exact same message told on opposite ends of the spectrum. So like, what is good for you? So when a client comes to me and asks me, oh, like, should I do intermittent fasting? My question to them every single time is tell me why you want to try this. Like, tell me like the real deep down reason why you want to try this. And more often than not, the very first reaction or the first response is like, oh, because I've heard it's healthy. It's healthy for your digestive system, you know, whatever. And then like, if I start digging a little deeper, it always, always, always comes back to weight loss. Yeah. Probably for most of the things that I'm going to list here um, in terms of the myths. And so when I talk to women specifically about intermittent fasting, and I try to give them all the facts. So do I think it slows down your metabolism? No. Do I think long-term, if you are eating too few calories long-term, will that slow your metabolism? Absolutely. So if you're talking to me about intermittent fasting and in your eight hour window, you're only eating 600 calories, like your, your eating window, and you do that over a period of time. Yes, perhaps that's going to be an issue big time. So like, as we talked about everything being so interconnected, you can start getting into cortisol issues Mm -hmm. and then hormone issues. And if that goes on for long enough, it's digestive issues. And you start to live in a fight or flight mode, which can wreak havoc on your entire system. Yeah. So I always, always ask the client, why, like, why do you want to incorporate this? And if the answer is always weight loss, then I want to ask them, why can't you eat breakfast, lunch, and dinner and still get weight loss? And usually the answer is because it's shorter. It's like the quicker thing to do. But I try to educate them on their mindset around what's healthy versus what's the quick and easy fix for the ultimate goal you have, right? So intermittent fasting or like don't skip meals kind of situation, that parallel I like to say is probably one of my favorite myths to bust. Because intermittent fasting is a very popular yeah. idea right now. Yeah. And, and for the moms listening, I mean, especially in the early years, you're up in the middle of the night, your day to day energy levels are going to change based on the circumstances of your kids. Like they really do run your life. And so there's definitely a time and place and something I advocate a lot for, and maybe you can validate this is phasing your diet, approaching it in different ways in different seasons based on just what you need you know, it's one of those things where what's your, like you said, what's your reason behind it and how would it look for you? Like specifically, instead of just saying, Oh, they're the expert on intermittent fasting. They say an eight hour eating window. So I'm going to just switch to that tomorrow. Like what, you know, it gives me whiplash. <laughs> like, why would you do that? To Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And like, if you think about, like you had mentioned, if you're a new mom and you're not sleeping very good, and you're probably not getting the like full nutrition that you need anyway, A, if you're breastfeeding, a lot of that nutrition is leaving your body to nourish your child. But if you're not getting a sustainable amount of food in your eating window, you're not going to heal very well. You're probably not going to deal with the stress of the new situation very well at all. And like, I feel like ultimately, it's not going to be a long term sustainable thing for you to do. Exactly. Um, I do agree with, you know, once in a while doing a 12, 14, even 16, like I'm not opposed to the idea, but again, it's like more about your why, Yeah. you know, if it's to help with digestion, if it's to help you sleep better, you know, if you stop eating at five o'clock or six o'clock at night, you know, you definitely, there are benefits to it, but when it's strictly for somebody to lose weight fast, I feel like that's not the mindset to go, to go with. 
Yeah. And especially if you're like, okay, I'm going to do this forever because really you shouldn't be doing one style of eating forever. Right. Is that the right way to approach it is to go, okay, I'm going to do this for a season then stop and then be a little more flexible. Is that a better way? I know we're kind of like pivoting here a little bit, but is that, is that like a helpful way to approach nutrition? So you're not Cause I mean, personally for a few years, I ate one way and it got unhealthy because I was just, like you said, only thinking about food all the time. It was when I was doing a lot of triathlon training. Okay. I have a three hour bike and a 2000 meter swim. So I can have this breakfast today. It was just, that's all I thought about was what I was eating. So is it good to give yourself that variety in moms? <laughs> Once you're at the place where you can actually start thinking more intentionally about nutrition, because even for me, it took about six, seven months postpartum to get to that point where I was like, sure, okay, I can put my energy into what we're eating now daily. But is it good to change up how you're approaching nutrition every few months or throughout the year? I would say that it's, it's like mostly you can, I would say it's mostly important to listen to your body. Yeah. So like, I definitely don't think that, for instance, if you're going to go away this summer and you're going to be traveling, like, do you really want to go into that feeling super restricted? I mean, I would hope the answer would be no, because you would want to enjoy, you know, enjoy your vacations, enjoy your family without even thinking about it. But for instance, I had to go through, um, like through my health journey, I had a pretty strict protocol on things because I had a lot of digestive issues that I had to really sort out and had to really hone in on that. So I would say that listening to your body in the season it's in is probably more important than being like, okay, for the next three months, I'm going to do this. And then after that, I'm going to do this style of eating. I feel like it it needs to be something that's a little bit more natural, Mm -hmm. a little bit more intuitive and something that you can do for a long period of time without the bounce back effect. Yeah. Without being like, oh my gosh, I'm burnt out from doing this. So now I'm going to go eat everything. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So I feel like, yeah, you can absolutely switch up what you're doing, but I don't think that under any circumstance, it should be like, you know, so restrictive for three months that now you're like, yeah. I, I have to eat everything in the kitchen sink. Cool. That's kind of what I was yeah. asking, doing it based on, I think this might be a good thing for my body. It feels right. I feel prompted to do it. And it feels feels like it would fit my lifestyle right now, judging it from multiple perspectives, instead of just, I want to lose weight. I want to get slimmer. (laughs) Like I want to look more toned and muscular instead of using those things. So, okay, cool. I want you to get to your next myth before we, (laughs) I don't want to run out of time. because you've got such a wealth (laughs) of information. So next myth that women often struggle with, what is it, Michelle? So, Oh, this one, I'll, I'll cut my list. I do have quite a big long list, but I'll cut it down to two more, like super important ones. One is cutting out food. So again, I probably work with women 30s to like maybe 60s, not that I'm opposed to anything outside of that, but that generally seems to be the niche that I work with. And um, those are the people that were all around in the late 90s, early 2000s with that really skewed way of thinking about dieting and cutting out carbs, all carbs is a wild concept to me, knowing what carbs do for our bodies. So I try again, it's just around education and like trying to change the mindset. So obviously I understand what cutting out carbs, what somebody is trying to do. Yeah. (laughs) So I don't necessarily need to dig into the why too much about that one. But what I do try to educate them on is that broccoli is technically a carb. Are you going to just not eat broccoli anymore? I was just going to ask you that. Give me some carbs that are like, people would go, that's a carb. Hold the phone. So what are some carbs that people are going to be like, wait a second, those are carbs. What are they? every fruit and vegetable under the sun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. And it's okay. Like, if you're listening and going, Whoa, wait, I didn't know that. And I've tried to do that, but now I'm like questioning everything I knew that's because everything we know is based on our experiences and what we learned 
from an uneducated point, we, all you can do from this point on is educate yourself and learn and move forward from there. Like there's no guilt about that. If that's how you approach things or what you understood before now, you know, what can a mom or a woman do if she's thought that way and been led by that myth that I should cut out carbs. If I want to lose weight, um, how can she shift that thought process? So I always coach my clients when it comes to whole foods. So like when we start talking about dieting or nutrition and like, I understand, and I'm not shaming any woman for wanting to lose weight. There is a big body positive movement out there. And a lot of women who like, even in my, like in my world are like afraid to tell me that they want to lose weight. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with wanting to feel better, improve from your perspective. So no shame at all in wanting to lose weight, but like, let's just do it in a healthy, sustainable way. So amen. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Right. (laughs) So I talk about whole food eating. What is the least processed thing that you can put on your plate? And ultimately, if you want to talk about an apple being technically a carbohydrate, you know, I had a lady the other day say to me, she's cutting out apples because it put her over her carbohydrate for the day. And I was like, hold the phone. No, no, no. Let's dial this back a second. There's so much more benefit to having an apple (laughs) than just like the idea of carbs. So let's think about that for a second. And I don't want to demonize food because I'm not a fan of saying this is good and this is bad, but let's just talk about whole foods for a second. An apple versus a plate of wheat pasta, and I'm not demonizing wheat pasta. I can't particularly eat it because I have a gluten intolerance, but you know, I do understand the idea of enjoying a like beautiful plate of pasta. Let's talk about the micronutrients in these things, which are your vitamins and your minerals. And for that plate of pasta, you could probably eat 16 apples and feel more full than you would from that plate of pasta. So um, I try to just give a little bit more perspective around, you know, what foods to choose. And there are always alternatives. And I'm not saying again, if you want to eat a plate of pasta, then by all means, eat the plate of pasta. But there are alternatives that are delicious and will still help you try to reach those goals without feeling so restricted. So I love because I can't eat wheat. I love red lentil pasta. Such a good fiber giver too, Absolutely. like a fiber, what's the word? Source of fiber. Fibrous. There we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so lentils have carbohydrates and I'm not mm-hmm. concerned about that. I just know that I'm choosing more of a whole food source, which will serve me so much better, uh, working toward my goals. I think it's a great way to grocery shop too. Just if you're picking between two items or saying, okay, I want something sweet. Maybe I could get those like all fruit popsicles instead of a tub of very processed ice cream with all the candies and chocolates in it. I won't name any brands, but (laughs) (laughs) you know what I'm talking about? Or maybe make some with your kids, like make some popsicles with your kids. Oh my goodness. They would love that. Right. So that was like one of my favorite things growing up when my mom would do that. I loved having those little homemade popsicle trays and like, oh, fun. you know, waiting for, yeah, absolutely. Some ownership <laughs> over it. I mean, you can't beat that. Yeah. So it's almost yeah. like thinking when you're grocery shopping, when you're cooking, when you're at the pantry, cause you're hungry or cause you're stressed and you're going, I just want to eat something right now. Thinking about how processed or unprocessed is this and just making a choice, just taking a second to think about that instead of letting your feelings or your emotions and what you've done in the past and what's easiest for you lead the way, let your logic lead the way instead. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on like, you hit the nail on the head with taking a second and like, Mm -hmm. thinking about what you're about to do and your why. Like I had a stressful day, I'm going to eat that chocolate bar. Or I had a stressful day, I need to just breathe for a second and make the choice that's right. You know, and maybe that chocolate bar is what's right for you in that moment. Right. But like, is it right for you long term? 
Maybe not. Yeah. So it's right for you every single stressful day. Mm, Right. Right. Like if you have goals to work toward, then yeah, you absolutely have to like go, okay, I'm going to make a conscious choice. I'm not just going to be unconsciously eating whatever I want. Yeah. What's another myth that women often struggle with around weight loss and health? So certain supplements, fitness influencers recommending, you know, I'll even go so far as like fitness accessories. So like a waist trainer or like fat burners or a greens supplement, or gosh, you could go on and on about all the things that apparently women need in order to accelerate their weight loss. Ultimately these things, well, they, A, they don't work. If somebody were to say to me, oh, but I took them and they totally worked for me. I would probably be like, well, what else were you doing while taking this supplement? You know, were you consistent with your food? Were you eating more vegetables? Were you drinking more water? Were you sleeping really good, eating more protein? People start taking these supplements. They think that they're working because they're on uh, like a whole regime Mm -hmm. that they're like, oh yeah, but it has to be this because all my really good choices, you know, that's not what's doing it. So I hope that specifically this moment um, that your listeners will be like, oh, you know, I was debating whether or not I should buy it for my favorite fitness influencer, etc. I would say 95% of the products that fitness influencers are trying to sell are gimmicky or they, yeah. they don't. They, there's literally no uh, validity to it at all. Yeah, absolutely. And do you think it helps to approach the thought process around it that way of why is it I think I need this? How do you let, how do you help help women kind of break that thought process, that line of thought from continuing to take over, like, oh, I need this to lose weight or it's working for that person. So it'll work for me. How do you help them just not think that way anymore? So I say that this one's probably a little easier. That's encouraging to hear. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, one, there's money tied to them, right? Like they have to actually go and purchase. And a lot of these things are not inexpensive. Yeah. So one, I can say like, don't waste your money. You know, like we will get you to your goals and we'll help reach your goals without these things. If somebody doesn't really care, like if that doesn't hit home for them, then I personally will start to discuss the actual things that are happening inside the body when you start taking things like ephedrine or niacin or, you know, like extreme caffeine amounts throughout your day. And then I start talking to them about your adrenal glands. And this is what happens in this system of your body when you start taking this and then add on the stress of not sleeping or the stress of high intensity training on and on and like start to talk to them about the consequence of long-term effects of this kind of thing. Usually by that point, they're like, oh, okay, I don't want to do that. Yeah. That education piece is so instrumental in staying motivated to make change. Cause once you understand how it's affecting your body and I'm not talking side effects of what it reads on the label, but legitimately how your body responds to it. And then what that can lead to over time, I think is monumental in wanting to change. And, and that goes for too, like eating a lot of processed food versus eating more whole foods. I mean, when you start to understand what's happening inside your body, you're like, mm, I don't really want that to happen. So I'm just going to choose what's better for me long-term. <laughs> and so, absolutely, and you know, like the results might be slower that way, yeah, but they, are, they will be sure. more sustainable. Like yeah. they will absolutely be more sustainable, which ultimately, like if you were to really talk to somebody and like, dig into what their goal is, I mean, everybody can have a, Hey, I have a wedding to go to in four weeks, or I have a vacation coming up. Like we can all get into the short-term goals, but long-term is what people are really after. Like long-term sustainable, healthy living is yeah. what most people are after. I heard someone say one time, what do you want the last decade of your life to feel like? How do you want to feel during the last decade of your life? Do you want to be in a bed struggling, 
maybe a support of machines and medicines, or do you want to be living your life and feeling good and being vibrant, running around with your great grandkids? Like my grandmas are, I mean, that's what I want. And my choices today dictate that decades down the road. Absolutely. It does. Like, so I don't know about you, but I have some elderly family now. And when I say elderly, like I hope to God that when I'm in my late sixties, I don't, I'm not called elderly because that's not actually like, that's not actually very old. So I don't want to really say it like that, but I definitely see some of my older aunts and uncles who didn't take care of themselves in their, in their thirties or twenties, twenties, thirties, forties, even their fifties and are paying the price in their late sixties, which is still so young, Yeah, you know, and uh, just like, you no, I want to be able to run around with my great grandkids one day. Yeah. Absolutely. What do you say to women who you work with that are struggling with the support of family or maybe the uh, sabotage of family? Because a lot of the times it's generational. A lot of the times the unhealthy habits are in you because it's, it is truly nature and nurture. I mean, it is both pieces of that have been working against you all of your life, but now, you know, a lot of the listeners here, they're in that place where they are changing it and they are trying to, and putting in the effort And some women have a bigger uphill battle than others because of family and God love them. Like we love our families, but it, it can make that journey. And I'm, I am insanely grateful because my family, my whole extended family, my in-laws, we all value health. And so they understand why I do what I do and the choices we make for our kids and for ourselves. And they make choices that are intentional too. And it is so, I'm so grateful for that. I don't take it for granted, but I know so many, I mean, probably more than 50% of women nowadays have a bigger uphill battle because not everyone in their family, whether it's husbands or parents or in-laws or whatever are supportive and can make it way more difficult with comments with just making it harder than it should be. So how do you help women with that piece of things? So I will say that that happens so often. Yeah. I have actually pulled a lot of my followers and uh, women that I work with and ask them, like, do they have a supportive um, family or, or just just um, pe- even peer group, right? Yeah. You know, like if all your girlfriends want to go out and drink wine every Friday and Saturday night, it's hard to be like, oh, I'm just not going to come. Or for my own experience, you know, like I generally, I would say like 95% of the time choose the healthy option if I'm out, you know, like mm-hmm. I try my best, obviously, just like anybody. And I still get people who like try, why don't you just have this piece of cake? well, we ordered it. So what, just grab a spoon and I'll be like, I'm okay. And if I don't get into the nitty gritty of, I have a gluten sensitivity, I I don't want to be sick later. Like if I say that they'll kind of let up. But if I were to just be like, I'm choosing to not have it, I kind of get, I get like, uh, like poked fun at. So I do definitely understand that. Yeah. What would I say to somebody who's struggling with that? I would say a communication is key. So Mm -hmm. let's say, you know, you're a woman in your mid forties, you know, you might be struggling, maybe perimenopause is a thing. Your kids are like in their teenage years and your husband, you know, he's slim all the time. It doesn't matter what he eats. So like, he's like good for ordering pizza three nights a week. Like, let's just go there. That's the scenario. Yes. I hear that a lot. (laughs) Yeah. Like, oh, I can Um, eat whatever. It's so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, that has a lot to do with hormones. So I mean, we're just going to have to accept that, but What I would say probably is communication is key. So sit your family down and be like, this is what is really important to me. You guys can eat whatever you want. I'm not saying you have to come down this journey with me, but I am going to ask you to be supportive and not 
you know, have it in my face or poke fun at me or, you know, like, I mean, I don't know if they're like going to actually poke fun at, but I mean, maybe they do talk to your husband. If he's the ma- if he's like the cook of the house, my husband cooks, like I, I barely cook nice. my husband cooks. And, uh, he absolutely knows that like, there are certain things that I just can't have. There are certain things that I just don't want. And he's happy, happy to kind of go down that route for me because he knows that if I'm feeling good and he knows that I'm happy, then ultimately he'll be happy, right? Mm -hmm. Your kids are going to be happier. They're going to see you more energetic. They're going to see you more patient, less stressed. There's so many more benefits to eating well and like eating for you than just weight loss. Yeah, You know what I mean? Like there's so much more um, to it. I mean, obviously the whole call has been like around weight loss, but everything. Yeah. And so I think that communication is key being open about what your intentions are for your own health and just ask your, your partners to be um, supportive of that. Yeah, totally. That's something that my husband's brought up on the podcast. A lot of other moms that have been on have brought up on the podcast because if we just make this change without communicating why we're doing it. And this goes for anything. I mean, same thing with starting this podcast. I had to communicate with my husband why this is important to me, why it's important for moms. And when we're not, when we keep that to ourselves, we're not letting them in on the process and it will come off to them as selfish as just like something that it, it, everyone needs to feel a part of it and have a little bit of ownership to make it sustainable for everyone. So that's so key. What would you say would help women shift their mindset from, <laughs> I think a lot of the times, especially for moms, oh, Cause I've been in this place, health and the fitness and this journey can feel very, very, very hard and insurmountable and far off. And I don't think I'll ever get back to that place I was, or that place I want to be. Um, and oftentimes because of how we grew up, our mindset around it can be well restrictive or punishment is the only way there. And like, I am not above a hard workout. I think there's a lot of benefit in challenging yourself physically. I mean, you listeners will hear more about that later on down the road. Cause I've got some things in mind coming down the pipeline, but, uh, I think there's a lot of value in challenging yourself physically and doing hard things and being disciplined in nutrition, but it can be done in a way that's not restrictive in punishment. And like, I have to do this, or I need to do that, or I can't eat. Like you were saying, you can't eat certain things because of your sensitivity. I mean, someone like me, I don't have sensitivities. I never say there's something I can't eat because there's genuinely nothing I can't eat because I don't have any of those issues. I just choose not to eat certain things. Sometimes I choose to eat them. Most of the time I choose not to, but with that mindset of like, I do have to do things that are kind of hard for me, but how can, how can they do that in a way that's not restrictive? Like there's a fine line I feel like between, okay, this is hard and I do need to be disciplined and it will get easier. And I'm being restrictive. What's that fine line? How do they walk that the right way? (laughs) That's that's like, that's an awesome question. Um, so I definitely talk to my ladies about self-love and so let me just expand on that. I'll a say little get bit. into that um, real quick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Word. So yeah, it is. It's very trendy right now. Right. Um, <laughs> self-care, self-love. So mm-hmm. preaching self-love number one, but understanding what self-love actually looks like is different and it's different for everybody, but there are some guidelines. So like, I never say that self-love is bubble baths and pedicures. Sometimes that might, that might be what it looks like. Maybe you just need like a relaxing night to yourself. And that sounds like the perfect thing for you. But self-love also looks like discipline, you know, discipline with Mm -hmm. what you're eating, discipline with just being healthy. Like if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, you can't expect to do it without discipline. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 
So self-love still looks like discipline. It still looks like hard work. It still looks like accomplishing something. It still looks like goal setting and doing things that you might not want to do for the betterment of your future. So self-love is one. And, and that also sounds like a very easy thing to say, but I don't believe that when people are like, oh yeah, I like totally love myself. But then I'm like, hmm, but then you choose to do these things that are like so harmful for yourself or your, your negative self-talk, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. I am not perfect at this. I think that self-love is absolutely a practice, but self-love is not rhyming off your accomplishments and being proud of yourself. Yeah. Self-love is not, oh, you know what? Like I'm such a good wife and I'm such a good mom and I'm, I work all the time and I'm like a martyr for my world. Mm -hmm. That's not self-love either. Yeah. Self-love is knowing that you're worthy of your own love no matter what. So like the day you choose to sit on the couch all day, the day you choose to work out, the day you choose to like, gosh, it, like the day you choose to spend with your kids, the day you choose to give them to the babysitter, all of it, it doesn't matter where you are 10 pounds heavier, 10 pounds lighter, 30, like it doesn't matter. True self-love is knowing that you're worthy of your own love and compassion, no matter what. Yeah. I keep hearing you say the word choose. And I think that's important to recognize because love, if we take it out of the context of our journey, if we take it out of the context of ourselves, when we're thinking about love, like with our husband in that relationship, when we're thinking about loving our children, loving our family members, loving our close friends, the mission that has been put on our life, others as a Christian, loving the Lord and receiving his love. Like those things are choices daily. And those things are not easy. Marriage is not easy. Parenthood is not easy. Having a relationship with God is not easy because you're having to surrender a lot of things. And I think same thing, marriage, you got to surrender yourself. You are not in control. You need to absolutely absolutely take into account other people's needs. Parenthood, same way. Love is hard. It's not easy. And so I think tying that to yourself too. Self-love is not easy and fluffy and rainbows and butterflies. It can feel that way when you're doing it right. <laughs> sure. But it doesn't like those actions don't feel that way in the moment. I was getting that when you were saying it. I was like, oh, this is it. That's what we need to start talking about when it comes to self-love. Absolutely. And it seems like easier to love your husband or to love your children or whatever, because it's very outward. Mm-hmm. You know Powerful what I mean? Woman. It comes yeah. very natural. It's like you can show love in different ways. But when it's loving yourself, it's very inward. Yeah. And I think that it starts with if you're getting out of the shower and you're like walking by the mirror and you're naked, if all you do is go, oh, you know, or like all you do is like, oh, I don't want to look in the mirror or like cover yourself up. Or I mean, we've all done this where we're like, oh, I hate my hair. I wish my hair was longer. I wish it was blonder. I wish it was curly. I wish whatever. I had a moment a couple of weeks ago where I didn't put any makeup on to run to the store and I got in my car and I was looking in my rearview mirror and I like saw my own face in the mirror and literally had a thought, oh my goodness, Michelle, why didn't you put on any makeup? You're so ugly without makeup. It was like a real, like just a flash moment. And then, and then I was conscious to it. And I was like, hold on a second. Why does not wearing some mascara make you ugly? That is the Mm -hmm. craziest thing you've ever said to yourself. So no judgment, Michelle, let's take that back. Look back in the mirror and be like, no, you know what? Look at how natural you look and look at how grateful that you don't feel self-conscious to walk into the grocery store 
and feel like you shouldn't be there. So like I said, it's a practice. I'm not good at it 100% of the time. There are definitely moments where I'm like, oh, I wish this was different or that was different or, you know, having a stressful day or you, you know, you run a, a, a podcast, a business, so do I. And if I've had a bad day or somebody's no longer working with me or whatever, it's very easy to like implode. But I think ultimately, if you can realize you're sort of imploding or you can realize your negative self-talk and, and shift it in that moment, that's where the practice comes in. Yeah. And that's kind of how know? you walk that line of being disciplined and consistent, all of that and being restrictive and not going there and not going to that extreme all the time. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not like getting up and doing a 5k run because I hate myself. Yeah. If I'm right. going to do that, I'm going to do it because I'm like grateful that my legs can carry me. Yeah. It truly is just mindset. Yeah. And moms might come from that place initially of feeling that way of, I don't like this body I'm in. I'm, I feel fluffy. I feel soft. I feel weak. Like this is, I'm, I've been there. Like I've been in that point a few weeks postpartum going, I don't recognize how I feel or look, or I mean, move. It's just so foreign and humbling. And it can be really easy for those thoughts to continue to be pervasive if you don't do anything about them. And a lot of the times that action of going for a walk, of doing a workout, of choosing a different food than you usually would choose. That's more nutritious instead of something that's less nutritious. When you get those moments where you can do those small choices, that's when you're you can you start taking control of those thoughts and they don't become as pervasive. Yeah. Such a good conversation. Thank you for coming on today. Um, <laughs> where can everyone me. find you and follow you? Um, and where are you located? Just in case I know you're do more virtual working out stuff with your business, but where can everyone find you and where are you located? Just in case I know for moms, community connection is so needed because we lack it when we're just talking to little humans all day. <laughs> so <Sure. laughs> give us all the places we can find you. On Instagram, you can find me at Michelle Scarlett. Michelle is spelled with one L and an underscore at the end. So Michelle Scarlett underscore. That's my Instagram handle. You can find me at www.coursestudios.ca slash true health. That's my website. And there's a free download on my website that is just a little, uh, uh, how do you want to say, like exercise notebook that. Um, you can start filling in like all these things that we just talked about. Like, what is your why? Who are your, who are your supportive people? Like, who are you going to get to watch your kid while you do a 20 minute workout? And it just is something about getting you into the mindset of living a healthy, sustainable lifestyle. I love that. Perfect. Cool. And a little note when it comes to like, who are the people around you? If you're listening and going, uh, no one, uh, literally no one in my life. Uh, yes. You're listening to them right now. Go find Michelle on Instagram. You've got me in your ear every week. (laughs) Like your tribe can be virtual for now until you start making those changes and making connections in person. Um, so one final question I like to ask my guests, and I'm sure you've heard this, um, because I know you're a listener, but tough love is defined as love expressed in a straightforward manner because you care about someone's well-being, And I feel like that's what you live by based on hearing everything you've shared today. But with that in mind, with that just straightforwardness, because you care about someone's emotional, physical, mental health, what's one thing you want to leave these moms with today? I, I actually love this question and I was prepared My for it. <laughs> so I think the biggest thing is start questioning your thoughts drown out all the noise of the day because there's so much going on day to day so much. And it's very easy to get lost in that. And then to not be conscious of 
your actual thoughts and beliefs. Mm-hmm. Drown out the noise and start questioning those thoughts. Start questioning those beliefs because once you start asking yourself literally this question, is it true? You're going to start going, oh gosh, no, that's not true. So me and the other day looking in the mirror, like, oh gosh, you're right. so ugly without makeup. But is that true? No, that's not true. Right. You know what I mean? If you, if you walk by the mirror and like, don't want to look in the mirror because you don't like the way your legs look or your butt looks or whatever, ask yourself, what do those things do for you? How do those things serve you right now? So mm-hmm. I would definitely say the, the, the thing to do is just start questioning your thoughts, start questioning your beliefs and yeah. things will start to change. Yeah. Oh, thank you so much. This was so good. No problem. One of my favorite things Michelle said in that interview was, is it true? Is it true that you're someone who just will never be consistent? Is it true that you just can't live a healthy lifestyle because no no one in your family does? Is it true that your body is horrible? No, none of it's true. I love that question. Next time you think something that is negative, that is not helpful towards your body, or that's just holding you back and it's always held you back, I want you to ask yourself, is it true? Like she said, if you want to live a healthy lifestyle, you can't do so without hard work. And sometimes that hard work is physical. Sometimes it's what we put on our plate. And sometimes that hard work happens between our ears. So I want you to be more conscious of the thoughts you're thinking because those direct every action that we take, every choice that we make, and you are in control of making these changes that are going to help you live a healthier life. I know you're leaving equipped today might feel like you have a little bit more of a burden on your shoulders, a little bit more responsibility because you are equipped with so much knowledge now. So go out, apply what you've learned and get after it this week. Before you go, thank you for spending this time with me on the Tough Love Mom podcast. If this episode encouraged you in any way, the number one way you can thank me is to leave a review, letting me know how the show has impacted you. Then send this episode to another mom friend or take a screenshot, post it on social media and tag me so I can personally thank you for helping me on this journey to impact thousands of moms. I'm so grateful to be on this journey with you, sister. Until next time, get after it.